Let's go old school this morning. Please stand in reverence for the word of God. 1 Timothy chapter 3, beginning with verse 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified by the Spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and finally received up in glory. Heavenly Father, anoint this message today. I must decrease and you increase. Lord, we need your angelic support today. We need your spirit. We need your truth. Lord, may this message be all about you and nothing else. For thine is your kingdom, your power, and your glory forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. Scene of angels from creation to the cross to the last trumpet when it sounds. We have always been and always will be surrounded by angels. Angels are real. Angels are in the Old Covenant and in the New Covenant. Gabriel appeared to Mary. Angels appeared to the shepherds. And what would they say? Peace on earth and goodwill to all men. I believe in the Bible. I believe it is inerrant. It is infallible. It is the Word of God. I believe everything in it, even the weird stuff. I believe in angels. I believe in gifts. I believe that God still moves and that God still can do things. Why? Because He has done something in me and He's done something in you. And I don't believe in religion. I don't believe religion is worth doing without a God that can deal, still do something. That still moves and speaks and heals and shows up for those of us who don't deserve it because of His grace. In the movie The Preacher's Wife, this young pastor, Henry Biggs, not to be confused with Jim Biggs, Henry Biggs has taken this church and he's in the shadow of his legendary father-in-law, the father of Whitney Houston, his wife, in the movie. He's in his shadow. He was the pastor before him and he feels like a complete failure. The city wants rid of the church. They want to buy the church out. They don't like what the church stands for, but this pastor was a real pastor if you watch the movie. He loved everybody, rich, poor, red, yellow, black, white, up and outs, down and outs. He was a great pastor, but he didn't fit in the religious norms of society, and the city wanted rid of this church and its influence. We know here at Abbas House a thing or two about that. Those of you who have been connected with us a long time, but this pastor feels like a failure in everything he does. He loves the people he's called, but he feels like a failure. So God sends an angel named Dudley, played by Denzel Washington, perhaps the best-looking angel in the history of movies. I don't think the Virgin Mary would have been scared if Denzel showed up. Gabriel maybe, but not Denzel. 
But in the movie, the angel Dudley comes. And God uses the presence of an angel to restore a marriage, restore a church, and bring hope to a city. I have never seen an angel, but I've felt the presence of them. People I run with have seen them. Some of you have seen them in this church. I've felt them, but I've never seen them. But by faith, I know they're real. Because I felt them carrying me. Times I should have been dead. I know that I'm alive because God sent his angels to protect me and cover me. And I believe with all of my heart that God still uses the supernatural. And God still sends angels. So if you need some help during this season or some hope, let me tell you this. God will send his angels, his allies, to fight on your behalf. See, we want to fight in the flesh. God fights in the spirit. And you can provoke and invoke angels to come down on your behalf. Instead of fighting with your enemy, allow God to take up your case. They'll never stand a chance against you if God takes up your case. The favor God will pour out on you will be so strong and in such an abundance that even your haters will recognize it. God still sends angels. Let's talk about angels. Angels have always been with us and always will be. They combat fear. They comfort the afflicted. They minister to the hurting. Michael was sent to Daniel, Gabriel to Mary, host of angels to the shepherds, involved in revival, in warfare for God's elect. They are real. Angels bring glory and honor to God. I'm not trying to be religious, but when a worship team starts singing about the throne, it is the responsibility of sons and daughters to stand in honor of God's throne. And if you are unable to stand, you stand with your heart. But angels watch our worship. And if you don't respect the throne, they're not going to respect you. And we must respect the things of God because that's what angelic hosts respond to. They don't respond to dried up religion. Stay in your seat. Could care less about the things of God. They respond to, I once was blind, but now I can see. I once was lost, but now I'm found. For it is by grace I've been saved. No weapon formed against me can prosper. I thank you, Jesus. I'm not worthy of it. For while I was yet a sinner, you died for me. Lord, you are worthy to be praised. You want some angels? Start worshiping. Start giving God the honor that he is due. And angels will be invoked and provoked to come and meet you where you are. Angels are into praise and worship. Angels celebrate and rejoice when one soul is saved, it says in Luke 15. So last Sunday, when we had that harvest of souls, you wonder why I'm always making you clap or asking you to stand and cheer people on when they get saved. Because we ought not let angels outdo us. And if they're rejoicing over one person getting saved, why can't we get off our blessed assurance and give God some praise 
for what he's done. We yelled on Thursday night at a football game, and I believe in that, but I'm going to praise here too. He is worthy to be praised. Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. Angels protect, proclaim, and empower us to do the work of the kingdom. I love the Dudley character because although he's manifested in the flesh and it's a movie, it's not real, he portrays some characteristics of angels in the movie. Somebody had some theology that made the movie because he operates in honor and love and he, and he pays close attention in the movie to covenant. He's concerned with Reverend Big's relationship with his wife. He feels he is spending too much time caring for the sheep and not enough time caring for his own home. And he cares about honor and order and covenant. Angels care about those things today. The worst thing you can do to the Holy Spirit is dishonor him. You say, Pastor Ronnie, I've got sin in my life. We all do. But let me tell you, dishonoring or grieving the Holy Spirit is the worst thing you could ever do. Yes, the worst, worse than any flesh sin you've ever committed, to put your mouth on what God has called blessed or what God is doing is the unpardonable sin. It is not suicide. It's quenching or grieving the authentic move of the Holy Spirit. We need to learn that just because we don't understand it doesn't mean God's not on it. Sometimes God does things that we can't understand. His ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. Sometimes God will use a strange set of circumstances to bring about his sovereign will. And you may feel cursed, but God may be calling you blessed because he knows the end of the story. He looks all the way down a generational line from David to Rahab, and he sees the, in the fullness of time his son being born to redeem all of mankind. God has a unique way of looking past you. See, we as human beings are naturally selfish. We all are. We care about us, our own accomplishments, what we can talk about, what we can do, where we can go. It's all about us. But in the kingdom, it's not about us. It's about the generational blessing that happens sometimes and oftentimes after we're gone, after our bodies are in the ground and our spirit is with the presence of the Lord. We have to get to a place in the kingdom where we can truly be satisfied with not seeing everything that God has shown us in our dreams. We've got to believe by faith that although we may not see it, a generation is coming that will see it and walk in it. Amen. Peace with God. Peace on earth and goodwill to all men. Peace is the ability to rest in knowing that God is who he says he is and he will do what he said he would do. How many of you need rest? need peace, need shalom in your life. I just declare shalom over the atmosphere. Rest and peace over the atmosphere. I come against a restless spirit.
I love the traditional story in Luke 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. Nazareth. What good could come out of Nazareth? What good could come out of your family? What good could come out of your history? What good could come out of your life? I tell you what the world says is cursed, God calls blessed. When the world says that person's no good, they'll never amount to anything, they can't accomplish anything, God says, oh yeah, watch this. Some of you, he's done that in your life. You were cast down, pushed aside, picked over, and God stepped in, and his angels were coming to him. He said, oh yeah, watch this. Watch what I'm about to do. In the town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, a common name. Just a common name in a common place with a common path. Nothing special, just a 12, 14-year-old girl. But what the world called cursed, God called blessed. What the world said wasn't very much. God said, I see abundance. Isn't that good? Aren't you thankful we serve a God that no matter what people have said about you or even what thoughts you thought about yourself, that God sees more in you than, who, than what you are, that he sees favor in you, that he sees purpose in you, that you don't have to live the way you've always lived, that God has more for you? And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Highly favored. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Mama T about got on my message the other night. I had to slow her down on Wednesday night. This was unlike previous greetings, which meant something new was about to take place, but it wasn't something new in the sense of her intimacy. She had had a visitation before. This greeting was just different. Some of you have never had one, and until you have one, you won't be able to have a supernatural one. You've got to have intimacy with God if you're going to have something supernatural happen. Your prayer closet is where you need to be. Psalms 91 is where you need to be. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. There is a place where God will cleanse you and speak to you and fill you back up to get back in the race, back in the field, back in the fight. And it is the secret place of the Most High God. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David. Mary said, how is this going to go down because I'm a virgin? And I love this. So the Holy Spirit came upon her. And the power of the Most High overshadowed her, the Bible says. And the Son would be called the Son of God, Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords. Our redemption, our love, our hope, our grace this season, Jesus. King of Kings. Text goes on to talk about Elizabeth, her relative, being with child at the six month mark. 
and that God had already done something in her. Sometimes God will bless someone else to prove to you you can be blessed. So don't be a hater. Don't be a hater. If God does something good for someone, rejoice in it because you may be next. Don't curse yourself or allow dishonor to keep you in the back of the line. Because honor will move you to the front of the line. Somebody say amen. So she made haste to see. The Bible says work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So the angel appears. Angel Gabriel appears. says, hey, this is going down. says, hey, you got to get... You got to get to her place. So she goes 100 miles to make sure that what the angel said was true. And she found out by all means it was true. Let's talk about the angel Gabriel a minute. This is not the first time we hear of the angel Gabriel. The angel Gabriel is first known for good news. The bearing of good news. Jesus' birth, Daniel 8 verse 16 he explains a vision to the prophet about the coming Messiah. So this particular angel, Gabriel, when he shows up, it's always about good news. Amen? How many of you know people who are known for bad news? And they come want to give you a word, and you're like, I hope you're not one of those people. If you see me pick up my pace when you start walking, you might just be one of those people. Angel Gabriel is known for good news. He stands in the presence of God. And the Greek word means to wait before a superior. So he's into order. And he stands almost like a marine or a soldier in the presence of a king waiting for his marching orders. It's one of two angels mentioned in the Protestant Bible. Michael and Gabriel. Gabriel looks like a man. The name means man of God or strength of God. We know that obviously Gabriel scared people. When Daniel meets him, he's frightened. When Mary meets him, he said, do not fear. He was sent by God to Nazareth, a despised city. Six months after Elizabeth's conception, listen. God still sends angels. If he can send an angel to the most despised city in Israel, why can't he send an angel to your city, to your home, to your circumstance? God still sends angels. Somebody give him praise. And maybe we'll invoke the presence of them this morning. So I want to give you some principles about the glory of God, the doxa, when God sends his supernatural light down on earth into our lives through angels or whatever mechanism he chooses, through the spirit, and it radiates off of us and into the lives of a lost and dying world. Number one, his reach has nothing to do with your reputation. His reach has nothing to do with your reputation. Mary was 12 and 14 years old. From a despised city, God said, I can bless that. No matter where you are, whether you're watching this or you're in here and you feel cursed, let me say this, you are blessed. If you'll accept Jesus Christ and you'll trust him, not only are you guaranteed for heaven, you are guaranteed for kingdom on this earth. 
And God wants to bless you and use you, but you've got to believe it with all of your heart. His reach has nothing to do with your reputation. He still comes from the least, the last, and the unlikely. He uses the undeserving, the unqualified, to do His kingdom work. We serve a God that reaches every city with His love and with His grace. Never judge a person, place, or a ministry by opinions or perceived advantages, but by the Spirit within the borders of that person or that city or that circumstance. Never judge based on the outside appearance. Always look on the heart. Mary was a great candidate for God's blessing. One, she was undeserving of it, came from nowhere. But make no mistake about it, she was pure. Number two, angels are drawn to purity, not piety. Or if you don't know what that word means, let's just say pride. Purity, not pride. Mary was betrothed to Joseph. This was like an engagement, but it lasted for a year. Any sexual contact during this period was considered a sin resulting in stoning. They were both pure. God chose a young girl from a despised city and a carpenter's son to steward the greatest gift he would ever give to mankind. He didn't pick the wealthiest, the richest, the most famous. He picked normal people, but people who had made a commitment to purity. You know, I still believe that it's a Holy Spirit. While I'm a grace preacher, and I am, I don't believe in self-righteousness, and I don't believe you can ever work your flesh to the degree that you're going to be perfect. I don't theologically believe that. But there is a place you can get to in the Holy Ghost which will cause you to want to do God things and say God things and not do the things you used to do. It's not a list of rules, and it's not a bummed-out, boring life. What it is, it's a call to things greater with a holy God. And because of your love for a holy God, over time, he begins to redeem curses and clean you up. That's the God I serve. Angels are drawn to purity, not piety. Number three, his favor is reserved for his friends. Now let me tell you my philosophy. I am loyal to those I trust. If you've been with me when I was at my worst, I'll be with you when you're at yours. I will give my best to those that I trust. But let me say this. God loves everybody, but he doesn't trust everybody with his stuff. There is a commitment, there's a call to death, there's a humbling that hurts, that must take place, for God can trust you with his stuff. His love is for everyone, but his favor is for a few. And yes, it's not fair, and yes, it's unmerited, but make no mistake about it, it's not cheap, and everybody doesn't have it. 
There is a price to be paid for it. And instead of hating on the favor of God on somebody else's life, for goodness sakes, why don't we press into the principles of God and position ourselves for something new, for power, for grace, for favor? She didn't know what kind of greeting this was. That's what the text says. It means she had had greetings before. This was just something different. How do you invoke angels or obtain favor? How do you do it? What is favor? It's when someone richer and stronger than you bends down to where you are and picks you up out of the mess you are in and sets you on the right path wanting or expecting nothing in return. That is the favor of God. You cannot earn it. You just have to position yourself to receive it. And when it comes, be able to recognize it and grab it. That is the favor of God. His favor is reserved for his friends. It means to give special regard to, to treat with goodwill, to show exceptional kindness to someone. Maybe even someone who doesn't even deserve it by your worldly standards. That is what favor is. Things don't happen without the favor of God and the favor of man. And if you are favored by God, you'll have favor with men and women. That is the inerrant truth of what favor is. The more we please God, the more favor we will have. Oh, y'all don't like that. When we are positioned for favor and we are doing things that please God, that invokes the presence of His angels, then He will release favor more and more to us. If we are in shortage, it's because we have a favor shortage, which means we have an angelic sh shortage, which means we're not getting into God's presence enough, we're not praying enough, and we're not positioned for the favor that God has for us. It's, it's not always wealth. Although it can be manifested like that. It's spiritual blessings. Favorable moments that can't be bought. God will do it. His favor is reserved for his friends. How do we obtain it? Everybody say prayer. By keeping his commandments. By diligently seeking him. By living righteously. What are the benefits of it? If you have favor, your prayers are more likely to get answered. If you have favor, God will protect you when you do something stupid or say something stupid. I was on my way to the state championship game in a vehicle that my friend Brent loaned me. Brent, you don't know this story, but you're about to have some fun. I have eight people loaded up in a Yukon XL, pretty sharp ride. Actually, really sharp, too sharp. That's probably why I got pulled over. Um, it was really sharp. Well, on the way to Cookville, there's like three speed traps. Is anybody with me? You go, one of them goes from like 65 to 45. I get pulled over by Barney Fife, who has had a bad day. Now, I'm friends with a lot of policemen, and I love them, but this was one of those that just really had to show you how tough he is. I mean, this is one of the guys that probably got picked on and wears a badge to feel better about himself. And so he pulls me over, 
And Clay Simmons is in the car who's always picking at me about being a silver tongue and talking my way out of stuff. So you can imagine what Clay's saying. Oh, let's see the preacher talking way out of this one. <laughs> you know, they're all giving me a hard time. So I'm actually thinking, how am I going to get out of this? Surely, I'm going to see my son play in a state championship. Surely, this state trooper is going to be proud of that. So he walks up, hat down. He says, uh, yeah, license and uh, registration, I got you speeding. I hand him my license. and He said, what's the deal with this tag? I said, here I go into my sermon. I'm smiling. I said, well, my son's playing in the state championship. And... We, I didn't have a vehicle for us all to ride together, and I've got this vehicle that a dear friend of mine loaned me. Uh, he has a dealership, and we just all wanted to ride together, and I'm not familiar with these roads. He said, I'd say not. You're going 67 and a 45. I thought, okay, this isn't going well. And I said, yeah, my friend loaned me this car. He has a dealership. He goes, must be nice. I'll be back in a minute. I said, Guys, I think I'm getting a ticket. But the reality of all this is I broke the covenant. I deserved the ticket. Now, I didn't like his attitude, but I deserved the ticket. Angels respond to obedience and honor. And when you break the covenant or the statutes, angels can't hang around. So you have to be almost regenerated daily in God's word. God will protect you with his angels if you are obedient. Another benefit of favor is that we will receive abundance. That is the harvest of favor is abundance. Our enemies will not triumph over us. You may be down but not out. It may take three generations for it to be redeemed, but your enemies will not win in the long game. He will prepare a table in the presence of thine enemies. God will use you. and God will protect you if you're walking in his favor. What I haven't preached to you about ever is what favor is not. What favor is not? It is not the absence of suffering. Bad things happen to good and godly and even favored people. It is not the absence of suffering. Blessed are you, Mary. The favor of God is upon you. You mean, I'm favored? Look at all the Virgin Mary, the mother of Jesus, had to suffer. Seeing her son crucified, spit at, mocked. His followers beaten, crucified, martyred. Seeing his message mocked. Calling him a rebel rouser. A friend of sinners. Insulting him. See the pain she felt as they gambled over his clothes at the cross. As they pierced his side. And made fun of him. Favor is not the absence of suffering. You can be favored, but you're still going to go through things that aren't fair on this earth. Favor is not for everybody. We've touched on that. His love is for everyone, but even John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, but whosoever 
That means a decision has to be made for you to obtain what God has for you. There is favor and angelic protection available, but you have to receive it. Somebody say amen. Favor is not the absence of suffering. And it is not all mansions, cars, and houses. God sometimes uses wealth to manifest his abundance. But there are certain things that money can't buy. Healing. Hope. I'm telling you, I've been on the deathbed with some very wealthy people. And it wasn't about all their money, bank accounts, businesses, cars. It was about hope. It was about hope. Is there hope for me? Oh, yes, there is. His name is Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, who is the ruler and who reigns upon the throne of his father David, who will never leave you, never forsake you, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. To his reign, his kingdom will never end, Isaiah 9. He is Jesus. His reach has nothing to do with your reputation. He's still into purity. His favor is for his friends. And his reign will never end. Number four, his reign will never end. That's why I challenge you to look at your life generationally. Look past your own life, your own story, and believe for more. Believe for legacy. Believe that God can shift something in you by one decision that will bless your children and your children's children and your children's children and your children's children and your children's children children until Jesus comes back to take his bride, his church. I have seen it. One decision by Gladys Phillips. Many years ago, 60-something years ago, led to my aunts being saved, my father being saved, becoming a minister, leading thousands of people being saved, my siblings saved, my mother's parents, same kind of decision, had been through a divorce, got saved, put their marriage back together. Now my mother's saved. She's led people to the Lord. My family, my children, your family, your children, Some of you, if you want the curse to be broken, make a decision to break it. You may not see the full manifestation of everything, but I promise you, in 100 years, if Jesus doesn't come back, they'll be talking about a decision you made today, right now, for the kingdom. A decision to experience his glory, a life of glory. Bow your head and close your eyes. with every head bowed and every eye closed. We're going to do this the way we did it last week. First thing I want to take care of is your salvation. You cannot experience His glory if you've never experienced His grace. And grace and favor is for the least, last, the unlikely. It's for you. And you need Jesus this morning. If you're lost... Let me say this to you as your pastor and as a human being. It's never been about how good you are. It's always been about how good God is. It's never been about you. It's always been about Him.
The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And in Romans, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. It's that simple. You confess that you're a sinner, accept God's free gift of grace, and you will obtain eternal life. If you die, you'll spend an eternity in heaven, and you'll have God's favor on earth because you are now his friend. You are now a friend of God. It all starts with a decision that can break curses and bring about blessings for your family. If you need Jesus, you're watching, you're in here today. You say, Pastor Ronnie, I don't know if I'm saved. I don't have peace. I feel like I'm under a curse. Let's break the curse right now. Just pray this prayer with me. Abba's house, help me. Dear Lord Jesus, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Please come into my heart and save me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And use me for your glory. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you prayed that, I'm going to come down. I don't want anybody else to come down until after this. If you prayed that prayer, and you said, Pastor Ronnie, I prayed to receive Christ. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to dance you up here on stage and make you give a speech. I'm going to hug you. I'm going to say a prayer. We're going to lead you outside to the guest reception area. They're going to give you some information, help you get started. If you want to join the church, you can do that right now with me. And I'll pray for you as well pray for the sick. We have many that are sick, but first, I want to welcome anyone that needs to accept Christ and pray with me that wants to connect with this church and the future of it. Would you stand on your feet all over this place and meet me here at the altar if you prayed with me. I just want to pray with you. Don't miss your moment. Break the curses. Embrace Christ.